0: Hello and welcome to episode 66 of the Ski Podcast. Uh, We are supported by Switzerland Tourism and we're very grateful for them for helping us get this uh, podcast out on a regular basis, which you can listen to on Spotify or your smart speaker. And don't forget to subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. And I would like to thank all of our new listeners because quite a lot of have joined us over the last year, which is pretty good considering no one's actually skiing at the moment. Uh, and later on today, we're going to be covering where uh, will Britons be able? When will Britons be able to ski next? We're going to talk a little bit about the uh, Great Escape from uh, Verbier and, and mention Vengen. There's a bit of Brit bashing going on at the moment. We've got uh, the latest situation in Austria. What's going on there? A few resort updates, some Team GB news, and also I'm talking to Graham Bell about Dancing on Ice, which starts uh, this weekend as we're recording now. But uh, I'd like to start by welcoming uh, our guest today. And I have um, Abby Butcher, who is a freelance journalist and editor of Where to Ski and Snowboard. I think that's right, isn't it, Abby? How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm very well. Thanks, Ian. Yes, and, and you've got that right.
0: <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and we've also got Andy Butterworth with us, who is a director of Kaluma Travel and based down in St. Anton. How are you, Andy? Very well, thanks, Ian. Um, very very cold.
2: Um, as we, we we just said before, we we kind of went live. We're currently sat in, I think, the biggest snowstorm. Certainly, this this uh, side of the Alps has seen in 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 many a year. So yeah, there's there's a ton of snow outside. Quite literally, a ton of snow. Um, but uh, but all very well
0: excellent well i mean my next question is always uh, when did you uh, last ski now we were chatting in the green room andy uh, uh, about that so go on make us all jealous you told us you got a lot of snow there when were you <laughs> last ski well, thankfully, um,
2: a lot of the resorts in Austria um, have decided to open for locals. Um, I say a lot; a, a fair, a fair couple of handfuls of resorts have decided to open for locals only. Um, so they're only selling um, season passes to registered locals or, or to, to day trippers within the area, um, which have to be or should be Austrian. Um, so I skied two days ago um, in possibly the some of the deepest snow I've ever actually skied in. <laughs> it was it was quite literally. Um in the right in the right little pockets was was waist chest deep um in the in the very nice parts just off the side of the piece it was sort of knee deep um it was lovely snow you've heard uh, enough. I, 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 I i i don't mean to rub it in in, in any way at all like, i genuinely mean that but it has been um, we we're, we're very lucky very privileged that the lifts are open
0: to put that into context andy i
2: mean you've been in St anton for how many years uh twenty twenty years in saint anton and twenty twenty three in austria now and you're suggesting that this is some of the deepest, the most snow you've ever seen? Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure it is, which is sort of that perfect storm of amazing snow and superb conditions and and no tourists. But yeah, it's, um, <laughs> I, I I I I remember back in in ninety ninety eight ninety nine when all, all those avalanches in Austria, yes, um, there was all over the news, and that was a lot of snow, but over a, probably like a a four or five week period. Um, this, I think. Absolutely tops that as the most snow in a seventy-two hour period I can I
0: can ever remember. Okay, we'll chat a bit more about uh, the the latest situation in Austria a bit later on. But um, Abby, I'm guessing it wasn't two years ago, uh, two days ago. When did you last go <laughs> no, uh, no.
1: Well, I I squeezed a uh, trip in at the very very last minute. I went to Courchevel the week. Uh, in fact, I left on the Saturday and France closed down at midnight that night um in March. So I, I pushed it to the wire. Mm. And uh I remember actually I was with some there was a very random selection of, of sort of ski journalist um friends and 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 buddies. And there was about eight of us hooning around the slopes that day and, and we were with um one friend who's who's doing up a, a barn making turning it into a chalet in France. And um, he said, Oh, no, you know, we're not going to get locked down anyway, we'll be fine here. And then literally, six hours later, boom. So um, yeah, it's a strange feeling. I've not been in the UK for this amount of time, or I've never left the UK. I've never stayed in the UK in January um, for, for many, many years. It's, it's, it's funny hearing how much snow there is in the
0: Alps and yeah it's very frustrating isn't it it would yeah. be the, the kind of uh, I've the tried perfect not to it would be the perfect season when we're not able to uh to travel out there but l- let's have a little chat about that I mean when do we think we are going to be able to ski next we're obviously in lockdown in the UK at the moment and indeed I think in lockdown in Austria even though the uh the lifts are open and we're going to be talking about when Austria might open up uh, in general but certainly in France. You mentioned you're in uh, Courcheval. Uh, In France, the next decision is going to be coming in on the the 20th of January, the possibility of a 30th of January uh, opening. It kind of seems unlikely, looking at the way the caseload is going in France. Uh, Any thoughts on that, Abby? Do you have any inside information when France might open up?
1: No inside information, except that uh, my my contacts in France are um, very worried about the situation if their half term if if the french half term trade gets wiped out uh it'll be it that, that's a sort of another significant nail in the coffin for them um and lots of small businesses i you know i I know uh, i've got great friends who are mountain guides and doing various things like that and it's it's those guys that that and the small Bs and um You know, like in the UK, it's yeah, it's the small businesses that are that are really going to struggle if if half term doesn't isn't allowed in some shape or form. But having said that, you know, um, unless France gets its vaccination program better up and running? I don't know how they're going to be in a position to do so. Yeah, I mean,
0: I think initially what they had said uh, was that if the uh, rate of infections went down to a certain level, which might be 5,000 or something like that, then they would see uh, the possibility of the resorts opening. Uh, And, you know, they obviously have all of the uh, hygiene measures in place, ready to go. And of course, as France Montan liked to point out, you know, skiing is actually the only outdoors activity that is banned. You know, you can go running, you can go cycling, you can do any of these other things. Uh, you know, And obviously, if you go to ski resort now, I took I had a slight... Um, slightly peeved by ski sunday which uh, started again uh this week when they uh ed lee said that all french ski resorts were closed because they're not closed the lifts are actually closed
3: mm-hmm. you know there's
0: lots of things you can actually do and there have mm-hmm. been people going out there whether it's you know hiking or ski touring plenty of people doing that cross-country skiing etc but it it does seem a bit unlikely that it's going to uh open even for french people in february and for Brits, God knows whether we'll be going out the Alps at all this winter. I'd say 50-50 for Easter, perhaps.
1: Yeah, that's um similar feeling, I think. I, I don't know. I, I, re- I really don't know. I wish I was clairvoyant and I could tell. I mean, I, I started off this season and I've written quite a lot about how um, determined I am to try and ski um, without being branded as the media like to, and Twitter likes to, to to brand skiers selfish and irresponsible. But as you say, with the resorts having all the measures in place that they do, and they spend a lot of money in the same way that our hospitality trade has here, um, and speaking, especially when it's covering all the Verbier stuff, speaking to resorts and people in resort and finding out how everything is being managed, I think done correctly it is it, you know it's it's a very very low risk it's, it comes down to everybody else's risk you know it's your it's your personal responsibility isn't it and and how you personally behave but I certainly if 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 we if the UK lifts its its ban on a non-essential travel um I shall definitely go because I, th- I think that I think that people need to you know we need to see that there can be some trust in travel and Trust in skiing, and and Absolutely. it's not this well, I, I which is think, cauldron.
0: I don't think there will be any shortage of people who want to go. There have been a, a bunch of surveys uh, where people have been asked, you know, will they will they travel uh, if quarantine was lifted, for example. And in fact, uh, I do uh, some work for uh, Let's on Twitter, uh, and someone responded to one of the tweets uh, the other day saying, "Well." you know, I'll do whatever it takes, you know, I'll have a vaccine or I'll have a test, you know, whatever it is, I just want to get out to the Alps. So there's a a whole bunch of people who will do that. But you did mention uh, just then that the the verbiation and British people or skiers in general getting a knocking. Now, sometimes, you know, that is entirely deserved. And there was actually a tweet sent by uh, a guy who works for Eurostar the other day, Someone had turned up to London St. Pancras, with their skis to travel out. No, you know, that is pretty uh, dumb, really, uh, given that we're in a a full uh, lockdown and quite hard to argue uh, their case. Um, Although I did think, well, if they're prepared to go into quarantine, but uh, then I wonder what the rules are about travelling across France. However, British people have been getting a bit of a, a knocking and in the last kind of 24 to 48 hours, it's been blame um, put onto an individual British skier in Wengen who, you know, has been pitched with the responsibility for the the cancellation of the Lauberhorn downhill and it's moving to uh, Austria. There's an article today in the Telegraph. You know, with the headline is "We don't blame the British." Swiss locals react, and uh, you might remember Alex Moore, who we, I interviewed in the last episode. Uh, it's written by her in episode 65. She is in Vengen at the moment. Now, this isn't, uh, I don't have any second source for this, but I, as I understand it, the person that they're accusing of of uh, being the super spreader arrived in resort before Uh, quarantine was in place so they didn't need to quarantine and tested positive on the 23rd so they've already been in resort for 13 days so I'm not entirely sure that they they obviously caught it in resort so it might be a bit of Brit, brit bashing which brings us back to the great escape from Verbier, which is something we mentioned in the last episode and this was something that was exaggerated a lot it was you know clickbait and lies lots of headlines about you know this uh, this mass escape under the cover of darkness uh, and the only person i think abby who covered it in any detail and looked into what really happened was yourself and uh, i'd be really interested to know how
1: how that, that came about well,
0: how that journey came about what prompted you and and how you actually sourced the facts
1: well, I um, work very closely with the Telegraph. I do a lot of work for them. And um, a friend who is an editor there rang me the morning of the headline, that the headlines came out, um, and said, oh, you know, what, what do you think about this? And and we were sort of debating it. And I said, "It's, it, you know, it sounds odd, but then, you know, at the time, the news was also here full of of second homeowners that had gone down to Cornwall and um you know London Range Rovers were seen driving around the lanes of Cornwall so sort of thought it wasn't beyond the realms of possibility so he said you know could you make some calls for us because the travel desk are gonna probably want something so I've been going to Verbier god I did a season there when I was when I'd left school um and I have lots and lots of friends there over the years that I've met in different corners of the world, just by coincidence. And it's somewhere that I go every year, and I know very well. And I've consequently know a lot of hoteliers and um, chefs and um, people from all walks of life that aren't connected to the tourist ind- the, to the tourist office. Yeah. Um. So I started phoning around and texting friends, and. Everybody, everybody said they didn't know anybody who knew anyone who'd left.
0: <laughs> so just and, to, just to put that into into context, the original headline I think was saying that four hundred British people had escaped under the cover of darkness, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and and for that amount of people to leave, somebody would know something. It's like a mass Exodus you know, I, I I phoned friends who had no, who would have no stake in Verbier spinning a good PR story or, or, you know, they, they, they had no, um, they, what's the word I'm looking for? They, you know, they would have no,
2: Allegiance. um,
1: yeah. And so then I started to, to literally phone, 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 phone. And I phoned, uh, Marcus Ratter, who, who I know. And he said, look, from my hotels, I've I've got, we actually, the situation is we don't have many Brits here and the two families that we do, are, or the two sets of guests that we do are quarantining and they've just extended their stay. I don't know anyone that's left. And so it went on and I started, the, the only strange thing, which, which I think is a reflection on um, how the media has been operating is that a couple of the chalet operators that I phoned, actually put the phone down on me, um, and there were British operators out there and they didn't want to speak and it was, oh, 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 sorry, I've got a call coming through and and slam the phone down. Um, and I followed that up with an email saying, you know, I'm really trying to get the truth out there and this is what I'm ascertaining, but I need to speak to, I want to make sure it's not happened in chalets where it would be a bit easier for people to skedaddle. Um, but then I got through to some who have got shelly guests out there, and and they confirmed, and it, and so it went on, and um, you know that was that was research for the Telegraph, but then it sort of turned into research for myself, and LBC rang me at three o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, can you do our can you do our uh, evening bulletins? Uh, it's a really funny story, isn't it? And at that point, I'd <laughs> spoken to no, <laughs> no, and you know Warren Smith was 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 getting quite emotional about it and saying you know I've only had I had 30 clients out from the UK two have gone home on um, the invitation of the authorities and then I managed to I got hold of a dentist who spoke to me on the record and said because he'd had he and his, his wife is a research scientist and they'd had to they checked everything out. You know, it's, it's, it's their business to make sure they're operating within government regulations. And he had actually looked on the Federal Office of Public Health website and seen the directive that said, um, if, if you want to go home, uh, there is a window allowing you to to do so, um, but he decided to quarantine. So
0: yeah, and I think I think that's you know a key issue that you know was missed. I, I have a feeling it was a Swiss uh, newspaper that did the original story, but the the issue in both Vengen uh, and herbier <laughs> so the uh, the valet and the. Um, is it and Canton uh, yeah. where and uh, both allowed uh, people to leave? But really, it was this story that, you know, hundreds of people had left. And it made it sound like the great escape was how, you know, I visualised it. You almost imagine people <coughs> digging under the border of, uh, of the resort or the hotel to get out, you know, fleeing with these ridiculous phrases under the cover of darkness. I mean, that just means if someone did leave, they left during the night because they wanted to drive all the way to Calais in one go. yeah. yeah. It's like a and, line of cars winding down yeah, the valley. Exactly. It,
1: it was absurd. What yeah. what I still haven't had an answer from, and what, what where the grey area lies, is that we don't know when that window was announced and how it was announced. That you know the, the dentist saw it. Some people saw it. I spoke to a lawyer who was in a different um, resort in Valais who couldn't find any official information. He could only find a bit of uh, a nod towards it. And and took a took a gamble to get out, um, and the Swiss still haven't confirmed to me, despite me asking them several times. I admit I haven't phoned them. I've I've because the news agenda moves on, and I should be a bit more dogged about it. But they haven't said when the window was announced and what exact dates it was.
0: Yeah, um, well, so unfortunately, it, it, I don't know if there's say. any back covering. Yeah, as you say, the news agenda moves on, and people forget. You know, people only see the headlines. Uh, you know, shortly after I shared a, a couple of uh, headlines from different uh, newspapers. One was from the Guardian. The headline is only about twelve Britons staying in quarantine in Swiss ski resort after hundreds flee. Four days later, we have uh, uh, the same story in the Independent, which says Swiss police investigate twelve Britons who fled ski resort quarantine. I read that, it's con- yeah it's completely flipped the story it's not hundreds of people it turns out to be 12 but people don't remember that and brits get uh, you know get a kicking uh, which is which and skiers get a kicking as well and you know yeah. as you mentioned earlier about twitter you know twitter's always been a place where people can get into arguments really quickly but wow twitter's become really i don't know yeah, it probably hasn't become really aggressive, but uh, the their opinions on social media uh, can be very virulent, virulent against uh, skiers. But let's move on to something more positive. Andy, you were telling us all about your amazing snow that you've got in uh, in Austria, and a lot of our focus on the, on the podcast has been what's been going on in France and Switzerland. But you know what? What is the story in Austria? You told us that the the lifts are open. How, how long have they been open for?
2: uh 24th of december um i think all all the different regions in austria that have ski resorts in were given the option so the the region rather than the actual national government could decide if they were going to allow resorts to open and then if they gave the okay for resorts to open it was when i say resorts open i mean just just the lifts for yeah. just just for locals it was then broken down into the like this more small, smaller sub regions and the actual resorts had whether they wanted to open or not. Um, luckily, St Anton was one of the regions that um, were allowed to open. And I think much, a lot of debate, a lot of back and forth, a lot of speculation and rumours um, whether they would or wouldn't. And then they made the decision, I think some around about the, the 20th of December that they would open on the 24th of December um, with the various rules in place. That it was, you know, you could only buy a lift pad, you could only buy a day ticket unless you were a local local or like a resident and you had all the permits to say you're a resident, then you could buy a season pass, but they were only going to sell, um, day passes, not, not week passes, just day passes, um, to Austrians, to people within, you know, it was meant to be within like a radius where you could feasibly and realistically get back home after a day skiing. Um, how, how true that's been, I don't know. Um, there's, there's certainly Is there been any, a, any
1: evidence of people policing it?
2: Um, certainly with the season passes, getting a season pass, you definitely been policed. You, you had to prove, you had to have all the, the proof in place that you were a local. Um, I'm not sure how well policed it's been in terms of only selling day tickets or um, only selling to Austrians. There's been um, quite a large number of um, other nationality cars in car parks, um, which I think um is probably people who have second homes or holiday homes here which i'm pretty sure is the same in you know a lot of the bigger resorts in the Courchevels, the the, the verbier's the the uh, meribel's and valdizere's and Chamonix. it's it's people you, who've had you know second homes have just skidded and and come somewhere maybe a little bit nicer and with some snow where you can perhaps ski um so uh, that's allowed As far as i know as long as those people have done the correct quarantining and 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 had the test um if it's registered residents you're allowed to do it um so yeah there's there's it's still up in the air i think there's all that's all all the talk that you know the lift companies must be losing hundreds of thousands a day um by just operating when literally um I've, i've skied on a couple of occasions and you've seen maybe seven or eight people on the mountain literally just seven or eight right. people on the whole mountain so they must be losing money hand over fist or they must have got some government help so all the rumors now are that they you know now the the women's world cup race is finished and over the attention like the spotlight isn't on St Anton there's a fair chance the lifts might close or they might okay. close certain parts of it or they might just open for weekends um which I
0: think they're doing in Kitzbühel now as well yes but talking about you know opening I believe there's a decision coming up soon as to whether or not you know, all resorts might be given permission to to open their lifts. So this is more about Austria coming out of lockdown, I think, isn't it?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, tons of speculation. The, the official lockdown finishes on or the current lockdown finishes on the 24th of January. Um, I think there's an announcement today or the, this evening um, as to what's happening in regards to that lockdown, which everyone is expecting it to be extended um so i don't think anyone's expecting to have anything open on the 25th of january um it's just wait literally waiting to see how long that's going to that next lockdown's going to last for
0: hi there this is ian just interjecting because andy was completely right since we recorded there was an announcement saying that the lockdown in austria is going to be extended until the 7th of february and then they'll see what the situation is with the idea that uh, shops will be opened after that, and they'll try and open restaurants uh, if numbers allow, but there won't be any hotels opening until March at the earliest. Okay, but lockdown in a in a town where you can go skiing every day sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> I quite
2: like that. It's, it, it's it's quite surreal to try and explain to friends and family back home that we 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 started on the on the twenty fourth of December. We started on a a strict a strict hard lockdown, which they. So on the 26th of December, they, they they started a very strict, hard lockdown with all these rules that, you, you know, you're only supposed to be outside for essential exercise, essential shopping or visiting a doctor, um, walking a dog, that kind of stuff. Um, you're only allowed to socialize with one other person um, outside of your your family at a time. And that has to be outside. Yet you can go and sit on a gondola with 12 other people. You can meet all your mates up on top of a mountain and go skiing. It's quite it's quite strange to try and explain it.
0: Yeah, I mean that okay. So I mean, I mean in terms of the measures that are in place on lifts there's been we've had lots of discussion about how that's working in in Switzerland currently where they have reduced capacity on on the kind of enclosed or on all lifts and you have to wear masks on all lifts. What's the situation in Austria in relation to that? So it, it's
2: it's pretty strict um and from what I've seen and heard um, not just an anthem, but the other resorts that are open. Everybody is sticking very, very strictly to to the rules because everyone wants it to stay open. Um, no, no one wants them to close the lift. It's it's sort of like a real sanity booster that the fact that you can go on the mountain. So you you have to wear an FFP2 mask. Is, it, is, is that right? So you have to have one of those masks on the lift. Um, and they are policed. So the, the, the lifties are looking that you have got your mask on. You can't just have your snood up over your face or your, or your jacket pulled up. You have to have the mask on when you go on the, when you, when you go into the lift queue and then onto the lift, um, on the chairlifts, that's like a, it's a six person chairlift. lift will have three people on it. A four person chairlift. lift will have two people on it. Um, if it's got the bubble that pulls down over it, um, uh, it's, those are the rules if it doesn't have a little bubble that you pull over you can actually have four people on a four-person lift because it's classed as outside um on the big gondolas for the big like the big gautzig barn for example takes about 50 people it's a maximum of 12 people on there um right it's meant to be socially distant seats there's signs up all over the place um every time the gondolas um go through the the top station There's a guy there spraying it all with, I'm guessing, with the disinfectants to to clear it all. You've got to keep the windows open in the gondolas or enclosed spaces all the time. Um, And that's the main crux of it. There's there's special lines um, that lines have been put out. So you you can't mean not that there are literally any queues at all. But the lines are very clearly defined where you can't stand in a a, a line right next to the person
0: in front of you. Right. And, And in relation to the ski air itself, then, I mean, I think you said already that it's pretty quiet out there i mean how much of the area is is open have you got the entire uh alberg region to yourself um pretty pretty much
2: yeah um it is it is not so i think there's there's 80 88 or 88 odd lifts in the in the alberg i think there's about 12 open 12 or 14 open so it's it's not huge and most of those lifts are in in st anton Lek-en-Zur's only have about five four or five lifts like between the two two resorts where San Anton is, is probably on about ten or ten eight 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 or ten lifts, which is great. Um all the piece are lovely groomed, um flat, nice. Um it's it's lovely skiing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah let's not let's not and, and you've got the best snow for 25 years yeah. uh, in this stage well I hate to bring it back to anything uh, negative again but I have been reading this week about uh, an outbreak in um, Jochburg which is I believe somewhere near Kitspiel now that has been you know linked to British ski instructors as well do you know anything about that at all? Um,
2: I know that I mean, I, I think it'd be pretty harsh to to, to blame it on on, on an, an outbreak on British skiers and you know ski instructors. Um, I do know that Kitzbühel, the Bergbahn, the, the lift company there, released a statement the other day that they were quite upset. I think with the amount of um, particularly Germans who were coming over the border, uh, which is only about a, an hour away from from Kitzbühel um, and Kitzbühel and the surrounding areas, Yokaberg, Rife and all around there. Uh, you know very well known for the the jet set of munich kind of have, have their have their second homes or holiday homes down there um and by all accounts there was lots and lots of tourists or people who shouldn't have been there from germany um in and around the resort um through the christmas new year period um to the point where the bergbahn the the, the lift company have, have changed the rules um i think they're only opening on certain days and for certain times and now they've they've closed a number of lifts um which is a real shame um I'm. I would be pretty sure that those ski instructors were probably there a lot longer, and before the the influx of of, of the German tourists. Um, you yeah, know,
0: as to how an outbreak happened, I've, I've I've no idea. That is very interesting to hear about the Austrian situation, Andy. Let's hear from uh, some other resorts. We got um, Alf, who was in episode 64, who sent us through uh, this report from Les Arc.
3: Basically, the conditions right now are very good um, in Les Arc. I was out ski touring this morning had one of the best powder runs I've ever had um, above Villa Roger. I mean, sort of perfect powder, knee deep in places. Sunshine was out, temperature about minus four, but of course you could only get to it on foot. Um, And there are quite a few people out ski touring. Um, That said, the avalanche danger is quite, well very high at the moment, I think it's around four. So you do need to be cautious. Um, as far as the lifts are concerned, no one's too optimistic about the moment any, anytime soon. There's supposed to be another announcement from the government on Wednesday um, when we hopefully will have some idea what might be happening in the next few weeks. But um, yeah, most of the locals don't seem very optimistic, which is not good news for most people. But obviously if you're travelling out from the UK, it doesn't make a lot of difference since you can't actually travel out from the UK. But even though the conditions are good, there isn't a huge amount of snow on the slopes compared to a a good winter. Um, And uh, some of the stuff higher up has been quite windblown as well. So um, that obviously makes things even more tricky as far as the avalanche conditions are concerned. Um, So were we actually able to use the lifts, I think we would be actually hoping or wanting a little bit more snow than there has been as yet. And it is supposed to warm up. Um, in the next two or three days certainly lower down the mountain they're forecasting rain um, snow obviously higher up and then I think um, cooling down a little bit towards the end of the week and possibly quite a heavy fall of snow which um, will obviously make conditions pretty good higher up and hopefully uh, we'll get a bit of that snow lower down but right now ski touring is the only option or snowshoeing which is uh, becoming increasingly popular Apparently, most of the shops down in Borg Saint-Maurice have sold out of ski touring gear. And so um, you need to bring your own out if you can get out here.
4: Hey, Ian, it's Al here from Alley Cats. Uh I thought I'd drop you a quick line to let you know how things are looking in Morzine. Um, we have had, one of from a snow perspective, one of the best starts, ironically, that we've ever had to a ski season. The snow, uh, we had good fall, snowfall in December. And following some very cold and very stable temperatures for the last two or three weeks, uh, the snowpack has, has become really very good. Um, there's still plenty of freshly um, fresh snow, soft snow, even though the last snowfall hasn't been for about 10 days. Um, and it's been a long time, many, many years, since I can remember a uh, a period that's been so sustained and so cold and stable for so long. Uh, which has meant that snow ski touring um, uh, out here has been really, really good. I've not seen as many people engaged and into the sport as I have done this year. Um, It's just such a shame that we can't um, have our lovely customers and friends from the UK out to enjoy it with us. The latest on the resort opening is that we need to wait until the end of January for a further announcement from the French government the numbers aren't currently where they need to be. I think they originally said that they need to be down at around 5,000 new cases per day, um, and currently they're on a 7-day rolling average, they're more like uh, 15,000, 16,000 per day. Um, so it's not looking it's not looking great, um, but we're crossing our fingers and hoping that something can be done um, in a limited way to, to, to get the season going. Um, over New Year, we had a we had actually Morzine was very busy lots of um local french people coming from the cities and towns to escape and uh were snowshoeing walking just enjoying being in the mountains and it was it was really lovely to see so many people just wanting to be in our in our resort in the resort of Morzine and uh, enjoying the surroundings r- despite the fact that there were no lifts running um and that kind of for for those of us who live here and run businesses here year round that was really nice to see. So to summarise, we are enjoying the snow, um, and there's more on its way. I think the next snowfall is due tomorrow, and it's going to snow, stay for snow for two or three days. Um, but we would really love to be able to have everyone here to enjoy it with us, and we're crossing our fingers that that might happen at some point in February March.
0: And that was uh, Al Judge uh, from Alley Cats in Morzine. He appeared on our uh, electric vehicle special. Um, I don't have any audio from Alex in Courchevel, but he's been ski touring again. You can have a look at 150 Days of Winter on YouTube to see how he's been uh, getting on. Just one small point in relation to uh, to Courchevel. We meant back in episode thirty three, we referred to the uh, the fire that happened uh, there, where some season workers were living in accommodation. And in fact, they, that inquest has been completed now, and they found that all of those season workers uh, were living illegally. And the owner of that property is going to be uh, imprisoned It was their uh, responsibility. And the you know the irony is, you had a load of ski workers packed into a tiny area above a Chanel shop that probably is Courcheval uh, in microcosm uh, right there so
1: it sounds like my season in Maribel 20 years ago
0: yeah sadly <laughs> though this was only two years ago when it when it happened mm. uh, more positively uh, some Team GB news I'd like to congratulate uh, Dave Riding who's appeared on the show a few times he picked up his uh, third World Cup podium uh, last weekend when he came third in the slalom in Adelboden. And he was super close to getting higher. I think he was one hundredth of a second off uh, silver and even more encouraging Laurie Taylor, who's also appeared on the show uh, before who you might say is the up and coming slalom skier. He came first in a Europa cup race, which is you might think of that as being the championship to the world cup premiership. So that's, that's really good as well. And very encouraging. Uh, We do have, I'm delighted to say, an update from Jasmine Taylor, who actually, she's had over 30 World Cup podiums in her discipline of of telemark and she appeared in episode 60. We also had a, a special and she sent us this.
5: Hi, this is Jasmine Taylor. Ian asked me to record a short update on my training and what I've been up to. Um I'm currently out in France in Lesoux and although the lifts are closed we have been lucky enough to do some training over in Flaine and that's with the French team so of course elite teams are still able to carry on with their training so yeah that's been really fortunate and a lifesaver actually but that aside we've managed to do some cross country skiing so the cross-country pistes are actually open in Chamonix, so plenty of intervals, stepping turns, and technical drills on the cross-country skis and telemark skis in order to prepare for the competitions. The competitions start later this month, and we kick off with the first World Cup event in Germany, in the resort of Obiok, followed by Slovenia, where we ski in Kravavets. And we'll have four days of competition in each resort, so a total of eight races at the end of the month, which is exciting. I would just like to say a huge thank you to all my sponsors that continue to support me: Blossom, Scarpa, the M Equipment, Leckie, all those guys that you know really make such a big difference, and especially at this really difficult time for everybody. It's it's amazingly generous of them to continue the support. And of course it wouldn't be possible without those guys. So just a huge thank you and a special shout out to the Lady Ski Club, the Kandahar Ski Club, all those guys as well. It just means that we can keep training, keep doing what we love. So thank you to everybody. And I hope everybody stays safe, well, and manages to get in some skiing very soon.
0: On Team GB, I've got an interview with Graham Bell uh, coming up about his dancing on ice, but I just want to move on to ski hire just now. Um, I'm just going to play this little bit of audio from uh, Intersport. This is a, how ski hire is going to be working in the new normal. It's going to be a little bit uh, different.
5: Quick COVID update. Rent with Intersport using Option Zen and getting no questions asked. Full refund up to 24 hours before pickup. And when you visit our stores, expect
0: free sanitising gel masks and for your equipment to be serviced and disinfected. And with our virtual queuing system, we'll minimise your time in store, maximise
1: the social distancing rules and give you time to grab a coffee while we prepare your rental.
0: Andy, when I spoke to you uh, uh, in the green room beforehand, you mentioned that uh, hire shops in uh, in Austria and St Anton, they're open for hiring skis they're not open for buying skis uh is that right
2: no, no that's right yeah they um the the shops were allowed to open um initially when 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 the lifts opened so the the, the shops could all open um and i'm sure they were very grateful for it initially because there was a you know a, a bit of a surge just before christmas and people buying christmas presents and and you know getting all the all the new ski gear and certainly when the list before the lifts had opened all the, all the touring gear which was became the new the new trend um but the shops with no tourists the shops are just the same as every other you know hotel and chalet company and chalet operator and you know taxi company everyone else said that they, they rely on the tourism and there was just nobody going in the shops and the rules changed that shops had to close but they're allowed to keep open their rental department so you've got these you know quite quite big sport shops right on the, the side of the piece or in the middle of town where you know they're open but only to go downstairs and rent some skis they're not supposed to to buy anywhere and I think they've you're allowed to buy if it's if it's a click and collect so if you go online and buy something online you can then click and collect and go and pick it up from the shop but they're not supposed to sell anything in the shops.
0: Okay well that's uh, that's going to be a challenge for all of them because I do know that for hire shops you know typically the hire is just one aspect of the income and when someone comes into the shop and hires they end up typically spending more on uh, on other things as well and I think you know for intersport uh, hopefully, we'll get the opportunity to uh, to use them and test them again before the end of the season. But I do know that a lot of the local shops, there's an advantage there that they're part of that big retailer. And they're actually doing quite well as a company in sport because they're selling loads of lockdown fitness equipment. And they've been supporting those, uh, those uh, rental shops. I would like to just quickly mention the podcast survey which is out at the moment you can find out how to uh, give your feedback on social media and in show notes basically what i'm asking for is i'm trying to find out from you listener what you'd like to have more of and what you'd like to have less of in the course of the uh, show and it's been open for uh, about a week two weeks uh, already There's a bag of swag of Three Valley stuff uh, with, you know, beanies and headbands and buffs and things like that, uh, that you can win or someone's going to win from whoever uh, sends your feedback. And, you know, just to give you a little insight at the moment, you know, you can't you can't get uh, you can't please everyone, can you? But um People have said so far, they'd like to see more of the specials. They'd like to have more athlete interviews. Sadly, a couple of people have said they'd like to have less sustainability and and green issues. That's sad for me because, you know, that's one of my areas of interest, but I want to make sure that the show delivers what listener you want to listen to. And a lot of debate as to how long the show should be. Now, typically we try and get it to be around 60 minutes and the special was around 30 minutes, but just proving that you can't please everybody so far, 22% 22% of people said they would like it to be 30 minutes. 41% of people want it to be 60 minutes. And 27% of people are quite happy for it to be an hour and a half or longer. So uh, that would be that would be a long time. That's a lot of talking. And, yeah, that's a lot of talking, exactly. Uh, but, you know, yeah, clearly, um, you know, there are a lot of different <laughs> listeners out there and everyone has their own thing. I think that's probably a vote of confidence if people do want to... Uh, listen for an hour and a half hopefully the content is is kind of interesting um but it does it does take a lot of time the reason i'm asking is it does take a lot of time to prepare and record and edit and publish the show and all the uh, special episodes and you know i want to make sure that it includes what people want to listen to and you know while i'm very grateful to supporters like switzerland tourism i don't go anywhere near uh, covering the time it takes me to put together the show so i have actually introduced something if you like the show listener you can now buy me a coffee i uh, hadn't come across this until recently but um there's a site called buy me a coffee and if you go to buy me forward slash the ski podcast you can literally buy me a coffee although in my case it would be a cup of tea because i don't drink coffee but uh, have a look for that in the show notes right another uh, special we released uh, uh, last week was an interview with graham bell about dancing on ice uh, and I actually caught up with him yesterday uh, because the show is starting this weekend, just to find out how his final preparations are going. I'm joined today by uh, Graham Bell, and Graham is just about to start his Dancing on Ice journey. We interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. How are you today, Graham? Well,
6: it feels like the journey started months ago. Um, we're about to start the the sharp end. In fact, I guess, uh, I guess it did start months
0: ago. The training's been going for a long time, but I yeah, think in this yeah, final yeah,
6: week it 's been a long point. In a week coin. leading
0: up to competition there's been quite a dramatic uh, incident. do you want to talk us through that?
6: Yeah, well, you talk about the sharp end um, yeah, I had a fall. Uh, we were skating together. me and my partner Yebin Mok uh, I fell uh, I fell on my stomach and I was sliding forward. It was an innocuous fall. it wasn't you know anything spectacular, uh, but she tripped behind me and came down on the back of my skate um the 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 heel that sticks up at the back right and it sliced into her shin and it was deep yeah quite deep into her shin. so what's happening now um yeah so she went off and she actually had an operation on it to stitch it up luckily there's no nerve damage no tendon damage didn't damage the bone so it's going to be they said two weeks before she gets the stitches out um, and then it's just a question of how quickly she can get back up to speed on ice, and you know, and be competitive. Uh, but it's anywhere kind of, I think, three to four weeks. So means that she can't do our first two performances. Um, so in order to to give me more time to to, to start working with the stand-in, um, a a skater called Karina um, Karina Manta, uh, who's American. Uh, who's been training with a reserve, uh, a reserve uh, celebrity. And uh, yeah, I've got, I've got basically, I've got a week to learn my routine for week one, um, my routine if I end up in a skate off and then start working on week three
0: okay because what happens
6: is i'm not actually in week one i've moved to week two because they split one and
0: two and a half so it's given me you've been been working on your initial routine with Yebin for quite some time so presumably the routine you're doing with karina is that same routine is
6: that right there's a lot that's packed in there but the the tricks are um you know they're, they're they're quite spectacular but they're not technically that difficult for a pro and you know so you know Karina's been able to pick them up quite quickly um it's okay. just a question like, just learn the steps
0: basically um, okay and the format is then in week 1 half of the couples dance and one of them will go into that dance off and then in week 2 when you'll be taking part uh that's when you get your uh, opportunity and then one couple goes into the dance off uh, as well so potentially obviously you don't want to be in the dance off at all but potentially there's a slight advantage being in week 2
6: no, no, I think I think there's an advantage being in week one because you get a whole week to prepare then for the dance off. And if you're not in the dance off, it gives you another week to prepare for week three. So we were really happy being in week one. Um and we were kind of riding high. We were thinking, you know what, we're we're we we're kind of one of the, the front runners here. Um it's us, it's 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 Joe, uh, Joe Warren Plant and Vanessa, um, it's Fay Brooks and Hamish uh those are the those are the ones that we're looking at and and rebecca vardy as well you know we're in that top four and then all of a sudden boom you know you think you're flying high and then
0: suddenly we're fighting to survive yeah but i believe uh graham you possibly have a a secret weapon on your side which might be the music that you've got for your first dance are you uh, allowed to reveal what that is yet
6: yeah it's a tune
0: i know very very well
6: yeah it's the theme tune to ski sunday uh, so it's a fantastically popular piece of music, which is great. It's a fun piece of music. Uh, and if you listen to it closely, there's just so many kind of musical kind of punchlines all the way through it, uh, which is great if you're doing a performance to it, because it means you can hit those musical you know moments. Um, and that's kind of what we're working on, uh, is getting those so that we're in the right spot at the right time to hit those
0: uh, hit those kind of da da duns. Yeah, great. <laughs> Well, I reckon there'll be there uh, an emotional uh, benefit for that as well with the voters because everybody knows that uh, that uh, theme tune. You know, it's been going for so long. And how yeah, about the costume? The and the and you. Do you know your costume yet? Because you you kind of referred to that before. You're a bit concerned about I'm the about
3: what costume. you might end up
0: with. I've not seen it yet, uh, right. but I think it's going to be figure hugging. I think it'll be a cat of some sort. It's
6: got right. Okay,
0: it? of course, yeah okay that that i guess that uh, that makes sense right so all in then you've got one more week to prepare to build up that relationship with karina and uh, yeah and then uh, all the best So you're, uh, we'll be watching you on tv on about the I don't know, by calendar the 23rd of january saturday 23rd is that the no, right day sunday the 24th so on it's sunday the 24th it's the weekend great um, okay yeah. well you know perfect lockdown viewing i would say uh and uh you know hopefully you'll get some uh, big audiences with uh people with few other uh, alternatives uh that are going on so if you want to support graham in dancing on yes Ice, download the app
6: and download get free the app
0: and, uh, and tune in on the 24th of uh, january app, Yeah. so that was an interesting uh interview uh in case you didn't uh hear it abby and andy there was an accident uh, last week. Graham fell over and his partner cut herself on his ice skates and has had to have stitches. So he has a temporary dance partner until she's able to uh, to take part again. And, you know, I've never watched Dancing on Ice, but I'm actually going to watch it this time uh, around, certainly to start off with. Another thing he revealed in that interview that in the uh, in the first episode that he's in, he's going to be dancing to the Ski Sunday theme tune. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but I'd Graham to be cheesy.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I was going to say, he's a very accident-prone man. The one and only time I've skied with Graham was in Salback. And... Um on a, I think it was a, a Saturday night, it was a very unraucous Saturday night, uh, everyone was comparing their war wounds and he was—he dropped his trousers and showed everyone his ACL scars. Well, what are we going to say then? I felt a bit lost because I didn't have one and lo and behold, the next day, I the first run down, I, uh, I slipped and snapped my ACL.
4: Oh my so God. Okay. He's
1: not my good omen, so I hope okay. he does better.
0: Well, his show is going to be on uh, Sunday, the twenty third of uh, January. If you want to watch it, have you ever seen Dancing on Ice? Either of you? Um, Brief glimpses. Yeah,
2: but briefly, a a
0: few, a few episodes or a few series ago, I, I I watched a few. Yeah, Yeah, well, it could be great lockdown viewing. I'm certainly going to see how uh, Graham performs, and you know, he he is quite optimistic about it. thinks uh, you know might do okay, so we'll see. Good luck. To uh, could, uh, yeah, I'm just going to mention a couple of uh, uh reviews. We've had lots of comments coming in in the survey. Uh so listeners, thank you for those. But um Matt Hayes, he says I uh, love the podcast, keep it coming. Thank you Matt. Dan King said great work here in, keep it up. Thank you Dan. And Luke uh, sipson said love the podcast. It's great to hear ski Talk especially at this frustrating time when we should all be enjoying the slopes but can't. And uh having uh, listened to andy describe the snow in st anton i think we can all relate to that
2: <laughs> i i i I always feel a bit guilty i think when, when, when we post like the nice pictures and the, the amazing snow and unbelievable powder and all that kind of stuff and it, it, it does feel sometimes like we're gloating but i think it's also like quite important to say that like these these resorts are so quiet um they they are like ghost towns they are they are shells of their former selves and they as much as people might be missing the snow and missing the skiing, I can I can guarantee you that the uh, the resorts are definitely missing the people. Um, you know, it's a it's a it's a pretty sad time for this for the whole industry. But these, these resorts are, are are yearning for people to come back to them.
0: Yeah, and while we can't guarantee that we're going to get the same snow conditions again, those mountains aren't going to be uh, go away, and they're always going yeah. to uh, to stay there. And um, so, you know, there will be hashtag We will ski again. Uh, I also just wanted to mention um, some more feedback about Alpine Cooking, uh, which is a a book that we mentioned a a couple of uh, episodes ago by Meredith Erickson. We mentioned it, I think, in episode 64. And Deborah Stevenson uh, contacted us and said, this is a great book. It's much more than just the recipes. There's loads of insight into the regions and history as well. And her favourite is the Abondance Salad. So I think I'm going to have to get myself a copy of Alpine uh, Cooking. What, what what was that salad called? Uh, the Abondance salad. It's oh. a little village just down from Chatel, uh in the uh in the Port de Sileski area, I
3: think.
1: Lovely uh, to hear people's stories of how they're recreating, you know, they can't go to the Alps, but what they're doing to kind of get that Alpine feeling at home because I've I've seen a few sort of fondues and um alpine cooking events on instagram and that sort of thing and i think we're all holding that torch aren't we?
0: <laughs> yeah exactly and in fact matt hayes was the first person who brought it to our attention and he says he thinks it's got the best recipe ever for tartar in it so if you're looking for a good tartar to get you through the winter that could help uh finally i just want to mention um a campaign which has been uh, recently started by ttg which is travel trade gazette and industry uh Publication, and they have created a mental health hub. Now, I think you know I'd like to kind of discuss this further, but I don't think we have the time in this uh, episode. But you know, the, the pandemic uh, has been very tough on the travel industry, and you know, many of us are working it have found it very difficult. they you know, personally, I've struggled with my mental health in the last year, and when you I think one of the difficulties is when you're in an industry where you've got this relentless negativity coming in, you can't do this and you can't do that. And, and you talk about local businesses, closing, et cetera. So all I wanted to do was really just to, to mention it. And I know a lot of people who work in the travel industry do listen to the podcast, have a look at the show notes for the link, or uh, have a search for um, hashtag get travel talking on uh, Twitter. To finish off uh, coming up next time, Uh, Our next episode probably be in a couple of weeks time. I'm going to be including an interview in that with Peter Hardy, who is a a veteran ski journalist who's been working uh, in skiing for longer than most of us have been skiing. Uh, I'm still hoping that we're going to interview uh, Ed Lee. Uh, Don't forget, you can support the podcast by buying me a cuppa at uh, buymeacoffee.com. And otherwise, uh, thanks for listening. You can follow me at Skipedia and the show at The Ski Podcast on Twitter and Facebook and theskipodcast.com. I'd like to thank my guests, uh, Andy and Abby, for joining me today. Thank you.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: No problem. And I'd like to thank you, listener, for listening to the show. Goodbye.